This is John Orford, and I'm with my good friend, Rick Blackman, Dr. Rick. Hey, John. So good to be with you. Thank you, uh, especially for being me for, with this one. This topic is very mm -hmm. important and very fascinating. Rick and I know a guy, Neil Clark Warren. He was the guy that uh, started eHarmony. And for both of us, he was dean of the psych school that we went through. And I think every conversation I've heard Neil have with somebody, he would always end it with the same phrase, take very good care of yourself. Yeah, that's right. And that's actually where I want to start today. We're walking through this book by Dallas Willard, Renovation of the Heart, on the second chapter where he lays out what are the essential elements of a person. And he starts with, at the very core of you is your will. And he says the words for heart and spirit, essentially in the ancient world, refer to that same function, your capacity to choose your ability to create, your freedom. That's what gives you a little kingdom. And then you have a mind, and that's both your thoughts, the ability to reason and infer and perceive, as well as your feelings. And feelings are a huge, huge part of what you do every day with yes, people. Yes, absolutely. And then we have bodies, and those are the places where our wills initially can reign. And it's a miraculous thing when you think about a body is just matter, just atoms and molecules, but a personal will reigns over it. And then there's the social dimension where we are part of who we are because of our relationships. You're somebody's son or somebody's daughter, somebody's friend. And then the next layer up beyond that is the soul. And people in the ancient world would say that the soul is what integrates all of the various parts of a person into one single life. And then beyond that is that larger environment, including God. So that is what it is to be a person. Now, at the beginning of the second chapter, Dallas explains why he's walking through this. Understanding, he says, is the basis of care. Take very good care of yourself. What you would take care of, you must first understand, whether it be a petunia or a nation. If you would care for your spiritual core, your heart or will, you must understand it. That is, you must understand your spirit. If you would form your heart in godliness or assist others in that process, you must understand what the heart is and what it does, and especially its place in the overall system of human life. And then he talks about there was an old magazine called the Reader's Digest, and they used to run articles, um, I am Joe's liver, I am Joe's foot, and they would describe the properties of that particular organ or body part and how it is that you could care for it well. Della says, now, we might have titled this chapter, Hi, I'm Joe's Heart, in the spiritual sense of heart. We want to explain the nature of heart or spirit or will and its function in the person as a whole so that you might care for your heart and eventually for yourself. And Rick, here's where I want to start with you. We hear a lot in our day, especially from people who do therapy, we're a therapeutic culture, about self-care. I think for a lot of us, when we think about reading the Bible, it doesn't seem like Jesus says much about self-care, but he seems to say quite a lot about self-denial. And it doesn't seem like we hear in the therapeutic world much about self-denial. So talk for a bit about 
uh, how you understand what it is that Dallas is talking about here, self and self-care. What does it mean to do that? How does it fit with stuff like self-denial? Love to hear your thoughts on that. Well, a long time ago, Dallas is the one that's helped me to think about what I do in some fundamental way, John, is soul care. Mm. The, the different parts that he talks about in this chapter have meant a lot to me over the years. Um, and the ones that I probably seem to be like working with the most when I'm talking to people in counseling are the mind, mm -hmm. uh, thoughts and feelings, and choice, especially mm. somewhat uh, with body and habits and whatnot. But so a thing that, for example, that I've used for many years that seems to be helpful to clients is the idea that we're in our minds half rational and half emotional. And if you have good rational powers and try to understand something, but you still can't really get it, get it about yourself or get it about somebody else, it doesn't mean it's not understandable. It's just not understandable in the rational part or the rational half. It's more, I'm always saying, in the emotional part. So learning about that, for example, neurobiology uh, in recent years has basically identified it, that we have like six primary feeling states. Mm. And it's a good thing to know those and to name those. We have anger, we have guilt, we have fear, we have sadness, we have happiness, and we have surprise. Mm. Interestingly, four of those are negative emotion states wow. and two are positive. And then endless variations on each of those states. So I'm always saying that, of course, God, I'm a therapist. Like you said, I love to talk with people about their emotions, uh, any of them. But uh, we got this, I got this idea from our buddy Rankin Wilborn to own but not enthrone mm. your emotions. Mm. So to name them, and he gets that idea, Rankin does, from the Psalms, that the psalmist is always able to, to talk about, not suppress, not repress, but to name and express emotions. But by the middle of the psalm, generally speaking, he's moving it into a not enthroning place, but giving it to God. Uh, so understanding that that simple idea about ourselves emotionally and then working at our thoughts as well. Uh, another idea, just in listening to you read that opening about the self and self-care. Uh, I've gotten to work, as you know, a lot over the years with burned out people, burned mm -hmm. out pastors, yep. burned out teachers, burned out people. Uh, and one of the things that I came up with with another friend, Dave Ross, that you know, we came up with this idea years ago of a, a, a reservoir. And to think mm -hmm. about you, John, say, as a reservoir that is a big body of water that sits behind a hydroelectric power plant that generates productivity, generates power. So you think about the output requirements in your life or in a pastor's life or a professor's life or a, a homemaker's life or whatever it is. Um, that is is powered by water flowing into the reservoir. And one of the mm -hmm. ways that I would tend to think about self-denial, and you were talking about that a minute ago, is that that's the ability to get out of our own self and be other-oriented, to care about the other, mm -hmm. to love others. And I don't think you can read the New Testament carefully without seeing just how frequently that becomes a a primary concern for Jesus. But if that, if that reservoir level goes down too much, mm -hmm. that would be one way to think about the tank is empty. 
and the reservoir is dried up and so there's no more. It's a little bit like the goose and the golden egg. Do you remember that old idea? Yes. That if the goose lays these golden eggs and then the guy wants to get inside the goose and he kills the goose and then of course there's no more productivity. There's yeah. no more output. There's no more um, of the, of the do, stuff you, that we need. As you work with people, do most people intuitively know how full their reservoir is? It strikes me that that's kind of a... Uh, that's a self-awareness piece that a lot of people may not have great clarity. Oh, I think in some ways we can just be awful at that, John. Yeah. Sometimes in the interest, in fact, of being other-oriented, I'm probably a balance fanatic, so I think you can care so much about others and serving others that your own tank gets dry spiritually and mm -hmm. all those different parts. I mean, it's such brilliant stuff by Dallas here where he's talking about the different parts of the self, understanding them, and I would say doing everything that we know how to do to strengthen our capacity to make good choices, to engage the will, yep. uh, and then to deal with our emotions in a godly way, to, to arrange our thoughts in ways that are noble and pure and um, elevated. So each of those. I was thinking about that. I had not thought about it quite like this until just now as you and I have been talking about this. Uh, see what you think about this. I think Dallas talks about uh, in order to care, you have to understand rightly, accurately. Uh, I think yeah. that perhaps self-denial rightly understood is self-care. Yes. And here's, here's what I was thinking. If you have a football player and they're a great football player and they're devoted to trying to win, um, that means they have to be really careful about what they eat and often deny themselves, nope, I can't eat that because that will not build my body up mm. right. And then they have to work out. They have to lift weights. They have to run sprints. They have to do all kinds of drills. They may not feel like doing those. They need to be willing to not do what they feel like doing in order to do that which will help them achieve what they most want to achieve. And so a great football player, a great basketball player, a great artist is someone who practices an immense amount of self-denial. Self-denial is just being willing to not do what I feel like doing in the service of a greater cause. Yes. And really, when they're doing that, they have to get enough sleep. What are they doing? They are caring for their bodies, not in the sense of indulging their bodies, but in the sense of enabling their reservoirs to be full so that they will be able to achieve the mission for us, that primary mission of love. So self-care wrongly understood as self-indulgence. Or selfishness, yeah. So, or self-indulgence, yeah, yeah, either way. Yeah, yeah that's... But that's self-care exactly. rightly understood will very often involve self-denial that is not doing what I feel like doing so that I can become the person that I want to become. And it will fuel us then for being able to do the things that generate love and yeah. service to others. and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. that's that's exactly um, what, and he's just so brilliant. That's why in some ways I like the idea of soul care better than self-care for that reason, just because it kind of captures We are talking uh, about the, the, the word soul captures the notion of the person before God. Before God, yeah. In the way that self does not. It's what's so great in this chapter, right? Arranging the parts of the self with God in mind. Yeah. That's how Dallas puts it, yeah. which is what you're talking about there. Thank you. It goes by way too fast. See you next time. In the meantime, take very good care of yourself. Absolutely. Guard your heart. Thanks for listening. You can join the conversation and more by visiting becomenew.me slash subscribe.